0: Welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. All
1: right, what's up, everybody? This is the OCR Underground Show, your best resource for smarter OCR training. Welcome to episode 56 if you want to check out the show notes for this episode, just head on over to OCRunderground.com episode 56. Well, I hope all of you had a awesome Thanksgiving for those in the U.S. And even if you're not, hopefully you are spending some time to be thankful and practicing gratitude on a, a regular basis. This is just a nice reminder to almost force us to do it, but it is always a great thing to do uh, as much as you can. Well, the year is uh, coming to an end, which is pretty crazy, and the race season's just about over. Um, I'm kind of bummed. I was, well, partly bummed. I was going to race one last time in uh, LA in uh, a week or so, uh, but just found out I'm heading to Costa Rica to uh, teach a FMS workshop, which I can't really be upset about. So that's going to be an awesome trip and I am going to have to pass on my last race of the year. So it just means I'm going to have to focus on my off-season training a little bit sooner. Uh, Speaking of off-season training, if you have not checked out our free webinar on OCR training, uh, I'm I'm sorry, off-season training for the OCR athlete, Make sure you do that. I will put the link to the free webinar in the show notes. It's myself and uh, Anne Larue are just talking about training and nutrition considerations that probably should differ a little bit when you're in your off season. And if you haven't really thought about your off season, this is a great time to start thinking about it and not just beating your body up, but really having a plan to uh, to attack the next year and just being a little bit smarter about it. But I want to get right into this uh, episode since uh, the years just coming to a close and I want you to start reflecting on how the year went and really looking at looking forward now and how we can make next year even better and I'm hoping that this as well as all the other episodes that I've done are helping in that process Uh, but in this episode we're going to start with uh, Inside Mike's Mind segment and I want to talk about an email that I recently sent out about how to make your workouts and your exercises a little bit harder and um, actually going probably against what most people think to make something harder, why don't you just add more weight? But I wanna talk about some, uh, a, a lot of other places I would go before actually adding more weight to to make your exercise and your workouts more, uh, more challenging and a little bit more progressive. In our research review, we're going to talk about foam rolling. I know we've talked uh, many times in the past about foam rolling, but I want to specifically talk about pressure. How hard should you be pushing on your foam rolling and some research that we can look at there. And in our coach's corner, I have a return guest, uh, SGX coach John Blodgett with Malcolm McKay Fitness in Hawaii. And I had him on a while back just talking about some of his different training uh, methods and unconventional training that he's doing out in Hawaii and he just had a killer year, and I wanted to get him on here and talk a little bit about um, what he contributes to his success in this past season, and uh, some different things that he was doing, maybe that uh, he wasn't doing in the past, and also just kind of what what's next for him uh, after he had such a great year, and how you kind of recover and and move on. So uh, let's get right into uh, today's episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, to start this episode off, I want to jump right into our Inside Mike's Mind segment. And if you've listened before, this is basically a chance for me to ramble or rant about different topics and uh, things that I've been focusing on, uh, really to give you some insight on. Why you do certain things and giving you a little bit more purpose behind your training versus just trying to sweat, get your muscles sore, and and get tired, uh, because that's a, a fast way to get yourself in, in trouble. And we want to have good intent when we're exercising so we get the best results out of it. And uh, what I want to talk about today is really the whole idea behind training in the first place, and that is the concept of progressive overload. And this is where we basically are challenging our body. Uh, to create a, a certain amount of stress that we will uh, adapt to and get better from, right? So you lift weights, you you build more muscle, you get stronger, and, and you progress from there. Now, there are a lot of different ways that we can progress and we can stress the body. And usually the go-to is, I, I'm going to lift more weight. I'm going to go heavier on every exercise. And absolutely, this is something you can do. But I think there gets to a point where how strong do you really need to be? Now, if you're a power lifter and you are uh, competing in an event where the goal is to put as much weight on a bar and lift it, that's a very specific situation. And clearly the goal there is to lift as much weight as possible. But other than that, there's there's a risk with certain things like that. You, when you look at a power lifter, there's certain things that they're not going to be able to do very well, like maybe run a mile or something like that. And if you are uh, an OCR athlete, you need to do a whole bunch of different things. Now, you need to be strong, so don't get me wrong on that part. We, we need to build a good amount of strength, but I do think there gets to be this point of diminishing return when we when all we're working on is strength and, and lifting up heavier and heavier weight. It might actually get us into trouble. We might lose mobility, um, the ability to to uh, sustain work for longer period of time, like uh, uh, endurance, um, things like that. So while lifting heavy is great, there comes a point where your go-to answer shouldn't be, well, I'm gonna make this harder by adding more weight. We need to find other ways to overload the body. And I recently wrote an email kind of talking about this, and I just wanted to elaborate a little bit more. And uh, I I almost want weight to be your last choice. So clearly, adding more weight is one way to progress. Um, But there's a lot of other things that we can do. Uh, For example, we can change uh, the position of the load that you're holding. So if I am holding, let's just say, a kettlebell, am I holding it down and and, uh, deadlifting it or am I bringing it up to my chest and doing more of a good morning? So where the the weight is in uh, relation to my body will totally change the exercise, even though it's the same movement, right? In that example, doing like a hip hinge. Um, uh, Another way we can progress is body position. So just changing. So uh, an easy example we can see here is you might do like a standing overhead press as an exercise. Well, what if you did that uh, in a tall kneeling position where both knees were on the floor or in a half kneeling position where one leg was up and one one knee was down? This will completely change the dynamic of the exercise because now you're actually eliminating the amount your lower body can contribute. You're putting more emphasis on your your hips and your core to create force. And in fact, what you're going to see is you can't go as heavy. You actually have to go lighter. Um, which sometimes bothers people because they think the only if you're not going heavier you're getting worse. But when I start manipulating some of these other variables, now we see. You know what? actually going lighter is going to be a a way to progress you and get you stronger it's just doing it in a different manner Um, so that's just an important thing to consider when you know only looking at weight there Uh, another big thing is tempo or time under tension or or the speed that you're doing a movement right i can ask you to do 10 push-ups right now you can just drop down and and bang them out and do them in like five seconds Um, which again nothing wrong with that you're going pretty fast and doing those movements but what if i said okay we're going to do 10 push-ups but now I'm going to time you and you're going to take three seconds to get down, one second to get up. So now uh, every rep is going to take four seconds. Uh, so to do 10, quick math, that's 40 seconds per set versus 10 seconds. Now that's, that's going to uh, create different stress on the body. The, the muscle fibers are under more stress for longer. Um, we create different changes, different adaptations there. Uh, so that's, that's a big one. Uh, another one could be range of motion right changing maybe adding a little bit more than range of motion than than you're used to Uh, obviously you need to be able to do the range of motion but let's just say if you've always been going heavier and heavier and heavier and you've been doing squats you might notice you know i'm doing less and less range of motion i'm not going quite as low sometimes that's okay because the lower in a squat might cause more risk for injury so we do decrease the range of motion but what if we lighten it increase the range of motion, and now we get different muscles doing different things, and we train that pattern a little bit differently, now you notice you're getting sore in all these weird places because you're using this movement in a way that you haven't done in a a long time or, or maybe ever. Um, another big thing that we can change is plane of motion. So, just uh, what we mean by that is how you're moving. So, um, without getting too technical, uh, we we see three. We have three planes of motion. We have sagittal, which is moving like forward, backwards, up and down. We have frontal, which is moving more like side to side, and then we have transverse, which is moving in rotation. So. Functional movement and what we see in racing and and really everyday life is taking place in all of those different ranges of motion. But when you look at what people are doing in the gym, most of the exercises are falling in that sagittal plane or up down, front back movement. Right. So we can take like a lunge, like you you step forward, you step backwards, and again, nothing wrong with these exercises. But if this is all you've been doing, might be a good idea to start changing it up and we can do more of a uh, frontal plane motion like a lateral lunge or even a, ro- a rotational lunge. So there's there's different ways we are, are maybe adding more instability by, by making you a little bit uncomfortable going in different planes of motion, uh, but still doing, uh, you know, a, a fundamental movement like a lunge. Um, Some other areas that we can work on, uh, so volume, so like sets and reps, when was the last time you changed those things up? So again, if you're focusing on strength, you're probably doing Uh, higher sets lower reps type work with heavier weight when's the last time you you bump the you decrease the weight and increase the uh, reps so now we uh, are focusing more on that muscular endurance right so again I don't want to make this say right versus wrong a lot of it comes down to what are you currently doing what have you been doing for a while and how could we change these different things up so volume is a big thing Uh, and then we can look at rest and recovery so what do you typically do in um, uh, for maybe you're doing supersets. You'll do uh, squats and then push-ups. Now, how long are you resting in between? Maybe you're not resting at all, so you're not allowing for full recovery, or maybe you're allowing for three minutes in between and getting more of a full recovery. Again, not right-wrong. These are just different things to change up because if you've only been doing it one way, simply by changing it is going to be a different effect on the body, and you're going to have to kind of learn how to do this all over again uh, and, uh, and make those changes. So this is kind of the whole idea behind periodization where we, we can plan these different different changes there. And I mentioned supersets. If you've been doing supersets or straight sets for a while, what if we did a circuit and we increased the density of the workout where we got more exercises in in less time? So we're decreasing rest overall and and constantly moving. So um, obviously that's going to have a different effect versus more like heavy you know, deadlifting, squatting, bench press, things like that, where we we do some work, we rest, we go back to it. So obviously, there's give and take. If you're not, if you're increasing the density, you're you're doing more work in less time. You can't go as heavy, right? Form's going to start to to go out, fatigue's going to set in, and it's just not as safe. So um, th- th- there's lots of different ways that we can manipulate your program. And really, what I wanted to do is just give you some thoughts on different ways you can change it up. Now, I I covered a lot, and it's not the goal to do all of these things at once. Instead, just pick one or two that maybe you haven't really thought about before. Maybe it's just increasing the reps, maybe it's uh, uh, increasing or decreasing the speed, changing the range of motion, right? So just pick one or two, and you don't even necessarily have to change the exercises that you're doing because... When you make some of these changes, it will completely change everything. So you can stick with the exercises you like or you feel comfortable with and just change some of these things and you will still see some uh, progressions take place because uh, it is still different. Um, So lots of things for you to think about. Um, So like I said, pick one or two. and just see uh, uh, how it goes. But the the main idea is evaluate what you're doing, how long you've been doing it, and then see what the next logical step for you would be. And my kind of my goal or my my challenge to you is how can you make things harder without increasing the weight. Alright, next up I want to get into our research review and we are going to talk about foam rolling. So I hope at this point you are doing some type of, of foam rolling exercise. Uh, our, just a quick shout out to one of our sponsors, Mobilitas. If you do need a foam roller or any other mobility tools, check them out. Use code OCR Underground 25 to get 25% off. But uh, if you're not doing something, you, you, there, there's only positive benefits from this. But I wanted to look at something that I haven't talked about on this podcast, and I really haven't seen talked about too much in terms of foam rolling. You know, obviously there's lots of different techniques you can use, different tools, um, but I I wanted to keep this simple and just at least look at some some simple things that we can do and kind of what to get out of this study. Now, this is from the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research, and... Um, clearly there's lots of research on foam rolling but what they wanted uh, to look at were a couple things on pressure so they wanted to compare the effects of the amount of pressure on the quads and how that impacted range of motion and jump performance and one thing we've and we've talked about it on the podcast before but uh with stretching you know like static stretching in particular sometimes there are some issues with a decrease in in performance and power generation after you stretch and again you can check out previous episodes where we talked about how you can um negate those effects and still do your static stretching before uh, a power type exercise and, and not see the the detriment effects of that stretching but what they find with, uh, you know, other research studies have shown this with foam rolling, it's a way that we do see an increase in range of motion without that decrease in performance. So if you're still wary about static stretching, we know foam rolling might be a good substitute there. Uh, So what they did was they looked at different amounts of pressure that you will put on the foam roller. Now this, again, something that not a lot of people pay attention to or or really have thought about, but when you look at a lot of the tools coming out, they get pretty intense and they're getting pretty crazy. Like you look at just you know a foam roller compared to something like a rumble roller where we have these knots and, and knobs sticking out and really digging into your muscle. Now I'm all for a deep tissue massage and, and getting to some spots that might be a little bit harder to get to, but I think what when these products come out, they start to really uh, make people believe that the point is more pain is better, right? More pressure, more digging in is really the way to go. And, um, you know, honestly, from my, my personal opinion, if you need to get that deep, a tool probably isn't going to do the job that like a massage therapist would do somebody that is using their hands or specific tools to, to get, you know, up adhesions or workout knots or whatever you might be doing there. Uh, so I, I'm not a huge fan of some of the ones that are just making people cry while they're on it. Um. You know, sometimes they hurt, and and some discomfort is needed. But um, the, this study was cool that it just looked at okay, well, let's let's examine this. Let's look at different amounts of pressure, and did they have different effects at all? So what they did was they um, divided a, a group up, up into three or three groups, and what they did was they wanted to look at how high pressure, moderate pressure, and low pressure foam rolling would impact things like range of motion and, and jump performance. So uh, what they had to do for amount of pressure was basically used uh, their perceived pain tolerance. And that's, you know, how much pain they were reporting. And so they just used a low and moderate and a high uh, perception for this to, to judge how, how hard they were pushing on, on these foam rollers. And what they did was three rounds of 60 second bouts on their quads using the, the different amounts of pressure. Um, and then they had them uh, perform range of motion tests on with knee flexion to measure okay did it Would do we see any changes in range of motion once we relax the quad and then they looked at single leg depth jump height basically where they would step off a platform and then jump up as high as they could on one leg so they want to see how how that changed after the stretch or after the rolling and they looked at um, ground contact time. So basically how long they were staying on the floor, the longer you stay on the floor, the the slower reaction you have and the less force you're going to be able to produce. And they just looked at uh, the uh, force production during the jump as well. So kind of all the things that we want to look at when measuring jump performance. Uh, So the the main finding that they saw here was that there was no significant difference between these three types of rolling, between the, the high, the moderate, and the low pressure on there. So what it's kind of showing is that more or harder isn't always better, and you might be getting the same exact benefit with just a little bit of pressure. Now, I wanna go in one of the main things I think you get out of foam rolling. Now, depending on who you talk to, you're gonna heal, hear all sorts of different things like breaking up scar tissue and adhesions and knots and all these all these different things, and some of them, maybe, I, I just think it's hard to really say if you're doing things like that, and again, to make major changes to the muscle tissue and the fascia, I think you just need uh, more hands-on therapy for something like that to actually happen. But what I think you're gonna get out of foam rolling is um, more more to do with hydration, which might sound really weird, but the fascia is actually made up two thirds of, of water. So we have a lot of water in this tissue and when fascia starts to become dehydrated it actually reduces flexibility and you won't be able to move as much so the idea is we need to get better hydration through the fascia now this isn't just about drinking more water because we need to make sure the water you do drink and and that is in your body is getting to the places that it needs to go and this is where foam rolling actually can have major impact because applying some pressure to fascia and to muscle tissue uh, is going to help move the water distribution around and the best analogy i've heard on this is just think about a sponge right when you uh, take a sponge and you squeeze it all the water is going to shoot out and then if you dunk it underwater and let go all of the water is going to rush right back in and we're getting kind of the same effect there with foam rolling you're going to put pressure on a spot and it's going to push fluid out like water now when you remove that pressure all of that liquid, that water is gonna rush back to that spot. And now we can roll the muscle or roll the roller uh, up and down the muscle in the fascia and we get that that pushing and uh, relaxing to help create more of a evenly water distribution to help that tissue function a little bit better. So pretty cool stuff and probably not what most people think about with foam rolling, but in order to create this effect, we don't need a ton of pressure. Right? We just need a little bit of discomfort, a little bit of pressure on the tissue and moving it around. Right. And you can roll back and forth, you can stop on spots. The main thing is just think about that sponge analogy. If you're gonna stop on a spot, just make sure you're allowing the the fluid to get back in. Because if you just hold that sponge and unclench it and get all the water out, and then keeping that clenched, stick it underwater the water no more water can get back in you have to release that pressure for it to happen and that's why constantly moving getting getting that fluid around or if you stop almost doing like pulsing where you put pressure and then you relax and then you put pressure and you relax so all different ways that you can implement this but the main thing i wanted to get out of the study or or share from this study was more is not always better just make sure you're rolling because there is a lot of benefit from doing it and not a ton of pressure is needed it's not just hey if if it's creating more pain it's doing more um, that might actually backfire on you so the idea is just get good rolling in there yes some spots are going to be more tender than others and hurt more and if you're already sore all of these things are going to play a role but the idea is to just make sure you're you're moving on the roller you're doing it on a regular basis and just changing up the angles and the amount of pressure and things like that are really going to go a long way All right, well, I'm here with a return guest. I have John o. Blodgett, and uh, how's it going today? Uh,
0: fantastic, yeah. Glad to be awesome.
1: back. Yeah, friends. yes. I will put uh, the link for our first interview that we did. Uh, it was a while ago. On We talked to just some of the training stuff you were doing, some unconventional training methods you use with your clients and yourself. And yeah. uh, I ran into you a couple times this year. I remember out in Big Bear, and yeah, yeah. Uh, we were doing the age group. And you ended up doing pretty well. You uh, you won both days that one, didn't you?
0: I did, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I surprised myself even. I I I, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to come in uh, and and do that well, but it turned out to be a great weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I, um, I started behind you and I finished behind you. But when I started, <laughs> we were a little bit closer than when we finished. So uh, yeah.
0: yeah. Um,
1: that was a tough course. So I'm super excited to have you back on here. You So you clearly had a great day that day, but um, it only, I don't know, in my eyes at least, it only got better from there. Um, so you ended up winning a group four uh, World Championships at Tahoe, correct?
0: Yeah, that, that's correct. Yeah.
1: Awesome. So uh, that's, that's a pretty astounding year. So I figured if you were cool with it, I wanted to get you on here and talk a little bit about um, if anything's changed in your training from the last time we talked, or maybe just some things that you did to, uh, to prep for this, this, uh, last season to kind of get where you were. So maybe we start with, uh, maybe if we flash back a little bit early in the year, is there anything that you started doing differently? You would say, or was it just kind of, I just started training harder or what kind of, what do you think led to kind of the year that you have,
0: um, Big Bear definitely opened up my eyes a lot. Um, I mean, coming from Hawaii, where it's sea level, um, you know, you're at sea level as well, and so going mm-hmm. up to up to altitude at Big Bear um, is not not easy. So that's definitely why I, I surprised myself by mm-hmm. finishing off that well. Um, but as far as kind of. I definitely increased the amount of hill training I was doing. Um, we have some big mountains out here in Hawaii, so I just I doubled the amount of hills that I was doing and then also uh, added in a lot more weight vest training as well. So on those hills, I was adding in the weight vest and you know that much even more. Um, And can't really train for altitude and like as far as your red blood cells and things like that, just by being exposed to additional kind of stress. So here in Hawaii, the stress we had was definitely the heat. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was trying to do as much training as possible kind of in the middle of the day when it was just super hot out. That way my body was just going to be, you know, stressed to the max and, you know, still be able to push through. So. Um, kind of just trying to simulate, all right, I'm going to be, yeah, at high altitude where I'm not going to be able to breathe as easily. My legs are going to be fatiguing a little bit more, but, you know, just mentally continue to be able to push through that that stress.
1: Yeah. And I, yeah. I think you brought a, a good point there with, you know, the altitude. So there's a few raises at altitude. And when you, you check on Facebook groups and people asking questions, that's always a huge concern for people that this... I'm at sea level or, you know, what do I do to train for altitude? Uh, and it, it sounds like you you took some steps to prepare for that, but do you think maybe people, I don't know, like freak out a little bit too much over this and it's just, just step up your training, get uncomfortable, and that's going to go a long way with training at altitude?
0: Uh, I mean, it's, it's definitely hard to say because some people just don't deal as well with the altitude physiologically. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to say just like, oh yeah, train harder. You're gonna get better, but like um, yeah, it it is each person, and luckily enough, I I do fairly well with the altitude. I don't really get many headaches, or you know feel that altitude sickness or not. But I, I mean, I definitely feel the um, the additional fatigue. But I think I mean, if you're at sea level, it's just yeah, being able to. I think push through and not just give up at the first sign of that, that fatigue and stress. That you're going to feel at the altitude. Right. So, yeah. um, I think once, once you get going, I think, you know, mile two or something, I was definitely struggling, you know, the first couple of miles. Um, I don't know what place. I, was, but I definitely wasn't leading the pack the entire way. Mm-hmm. So, And then hopefully like your body will adjust and you can get into a little rhythm. Um, Yeah. 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 But you, um, it's brutal going from sea level to altitude regardless. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. For anybody. And I think that's a good point too, that we all are going to go through it. You know, not, not, there's not that many people who are living at altitude or or able to actually train in that environment. Sure. There's some that are, and you know, they suck, but, (laughs) uh, for most of us, I think we're all dealing with that stress, and um it's because i was kind of the same thing when i i did pretty well i did not win obviously but i came in seventh at that race in the sprint and i did not start that high up i came back and i think a lot of it was because i knew it was going to be hard in the beginning and i just kind of maintained and then once i started kind of feeling more comfortable with you know everything on that mountain I was able to just get over it and push so you know like you said there's sure there's obviously the physiological responses to altitude but there's also how that plays into your mental side where it hurts and you don't want to go and you just have to remember everybody's dealing with this right now some are going to push through a little bit better than others and it's that's something you can train I think
0: yeah 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 I mean you know Reading a lot and do more research just on kind of like pain tolerance and things, and that is definitely one thing I saw a big bear it was huge. Was, I mean, those hills were intense. You couldn't even run a lot of them, and um, you know, one thing I I took away from it was as we we're running and going by some people because the ultra uh, heats went ahead of us. But one thing I noticed, like when you got to those hills, people were going into this like zombie kind of walk, just like back and forth, like standing upright and, you know, trying to catch their breath and things where, um, I mean, everyone's in pain at that point, right? But I think it's, yeah. it's moving with a little bit more intention and, um, you know, focus rather than, you know, just going into that zombie walk that I saw so many people doing. So I was able to pass a lot of people on that hill, just, you know, doing the little bent over kind of hands on your thighs like power hiking up but at least you're you're moving forward with intention i think is the biggest takeaway i took from that
1: yeah i think that's a great tip it's kind of like having um almost like faking it a little bit you're tired but don't almost like in in sports when it's like try and hide those signs of of fatigue where at least you know you're not having somebody guard you or something like that but uh, that might just help you like, I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to look tired and look fatigued and just get up this mountain as best I can. And yeah, it's going to hurt. But I think mentally that'll go a long way for you.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah.
1: Um, so you you brought up pain tolerance and I think that's a good uh, topic that we can switch to kind of moving uh, you know, fast forwarding to Tahoe. So same, same idea you're, or same issues you're dealing with, with altitude and coming from sea level. Uh, but we can also talk about the cold too. So like, what's the temperature in Hawaii right now?
0: Uh, it's about
1: 82 degrees. Nice. I, I can't, I, well, actually, yeah. Um, what, what was the, uh, the temperature race day? If you remember
0: Uh, in Tahoe? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in Tahoe, I think it was, at the start, maybe 40, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. So, the first day it warmed up considerably, but the second day it it was a lot colder. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. So, um, so that's something else that a lot of people are stressed out about when, you know, you want to go to Tahoe, uh, it's going to be freezing and they might not be used to it everybody you know talks about the water Uh, maybe we can talk about that a little bit too but maybe like what did you do to either physically or mentally prepare for dealing with that that weather
0: um I mean yeah just definitely building that pain tolerance uh you know I I was in Tahoe last year and so I got to experience that that cold lake so I knew kind of what was coming for me so yeah but two months ahead of Tahoe I um, you know was doing ice baths you know several times a week where just getting in my bathtub filling it up with uh, about 50 pounds of ice and you know just sitting in there for you know as long as I could usually about 10-15 minutes um, and I mean it's brutal you're mm-hmm. you're not <laughs> first getting in you definitely go into uh, a different mental state for sure you know your breathing changes you you're affected um, so i think but i mean over time you know leading a week before i was able to get in there and and sit in there fairly you know fairly easily so you're you build up that pain tolerance you know what to start to expect you know how you're going to you know you need to change your breathing and you know go into that different mental state and i think that's that's huge i think 10th or 12th place going into the swim this year um and i was able to pass i think three or four people on that swim just you know kind of just knew what to expect where i saw a lot of people just kind of their breathing was off they were almost going into like a little state of shock you know just really slow slow swimming Um, i think it's just like all right again staying focused Getting through and getting out of that water as quick as possible, just to nice. get back into the run and, and start to warm up again. Yeah. Were you
1: doing yeah. any any type of breath work in particular when you get in ice water, or um, just just conscious breathing, or like Wim Hof or anything like that?
0: It was more just kind of conscious breathing. Um, you know, it's <laughs> when you get into water that cold, it it takes your breath away, so it, it's kind of just slowing down your breath as much as possible long deep breaths and um, you know just kind of that being aware of your breath so that you don't you're not going into that short quick breaths right <laughs> where yeah. you're just kind of sucking air where you see a lot of people um doing when they enter in the water so just kind of that controlled breathing
1: yeah, yeah, and I, I think you know this is—it's not fun. Nobody like—I'm sure somebody likes doing this, but I don't think most people like getting in ice water. Um,
0: Pretty if, sure, yeah. Wim Hof is Wim Hof is the only one that likes. Probably, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think that whole idea of like pain, increasing your pain tolerance is something that we clearly see all over the place. And, you know, we think of cold and, and, and heat and uh, environments like that, but that's the whole kind of idea behind exercise. Like sure you're getting stronger and you're building muscle and, and all the other physiological responses, but people kind of forget like when you first start working out, it hurts and you don't want okay. to feel that pain and you give up faster and, and all of that. But as you get more trained, you come to like, accept that, hey, when I work out, it's going to hurt. I'm going to be a little uncomfortable, um, but I can deal with it now and push through. And same thing with cold. Like, it's just, you know, sure, there's some physiological changes that'll occur if you do this long-term, but really it's, you're just getting used to being in an uncomfortable state. And um, I think that'll go a long way for helping people if they've never tried, or if they're thinking about doing Tahoe or going to do it and are afraid of the swim. It's like, well, just like anything, you got to get, more comfortable in that situation. Hey guys, sorry for the interruption, but I just want to take a minute to thank some of our sponsors for helping us out with the uh, podcast. First up is Designer Protein. Check out all of their protein products at designerprotein.com. Don't forget, you can get 20% off if you use code Premier 20 And also Handmaster Plus, one of my favorite grip uh, grip building tools. It's like a stress ball with resistance bands attached for it so you can work on not only closing the fist but also opening it back up for a little bit more balanced grip training Uh, you can check out their product at handmasterplus.com and depending on when you're listening to this episode we're actually giving uh, a set away where you get three different balls with three different uh, level bands Uh, you get one for free when you sign up for our monthly mentorship program Um, and actually it's 50% off the membership fee right now so if you head over to the show notes at ocrunderground.com slash episode 56 you will see the link where you can get a free handmaster plus and join our monthly uh training program all right let's get back to the interview
0: yeah yeah i uh a quick story i like to tell my some of my clients is you know when i was a kid i I hated Brussels sprouts. It was the all-time worst and file, most disgusting vegetable ever. But I had to eat them for every, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I mean, back then that was the most painful thing I had to do. But you know, like, well, over the years, you know, as you as you try things a little bit more, maybe add a little bacon to it and things. And so now, I mean, I've I've gotten more comfortable with with brussels sprouts and i don't mind them so much but it's kind of similar you know you're like when you first try something it's going to be kind of like that worst pain ever but then as you do it more and more you know you get accustomed to it and then eventually you start to you know crave that feeling so
1: yeah you know. awesome yeah i'll take brussels sprouts over ice baths any day but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so not fair um One other thing I wanted to to talk about, uh, you were like uh, fairly close to Tahoe, I believe. Um, I was seeing some stuff you were posting on Facebook and it had to do with a lot of just water training that you were doing, breath holds and things like that. Um, I just kind of wanted to uh, ask you a little bit about like, you know, what specifically were you following? What were some goals that you were trying to do and how do you think that helped you in this whole process?
0: um yeah i mean so we were training pretty hard um here for the hawaii race so i was doing a lot of the the hill training you know way best um getting in as much as as possible with that and then unfortunately the hawaii race got canceled out here due to uh the hurricane uh, coming in but so after that i was just i was Kind of run down. I was bummed that the Hawaii race got canceled. I was really looking forward to that. And so the body was just um, kind of feeling a little beat up. So I like to add in the uh, water training as just a kind of a form of recovery as well to kind of mix up, like take some of the load off the joints. Um, but at the same time, being Tahoe's at you know, lower oxygen levels. I think being um, that you with that mental state as well. So we would go down, for example, um, in uh, out in the ocean and maybe like 20 feet of water, dive down, pick up a big 75 pound rock, and then Run along the bottom. They call it rock running here in Hawaii. But just being able to, you know, your your muscles are going to be on fire, and it's it's kind of similar to in Tahoe. Your muscles are on fire because there's that lack of oxygen. So, kind of being able to continue and push through even when uh, you're in that deprived oxygen state is kind of what what helped me, I think, a little bit. Awesome! It's crazy. So uh... and, yeah, and it's just a lot of fun. You're, running along the bottom of the ocean <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah that's pretty sweet are you doing this with like a group of people because i mean obviously something like this you know there's potential risks of you know drowning and stuff like that so i um you know what kind of safety precautions did you take
0: yeah we definitely do um you know only one one diver will be down at a time there's safety precautions i mean there's if for anybody who listens, um, who's a free diver, the I mean, shallow water blackout is a big concern. Um, you know, over time you do start to suppress that urge to you know, to go up and breathe that it's mental state, but eventually your body is gonna just say enough is enough and you black out, so. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have one one person at the surface of the water at all times just kind of watching um, so that they're fully recovered so if anything does happen they, it's we generally don't go much deeper than about 20 feet so mm-hmm. yeah hopefully you you can make it to the surface if you start to run low mm-hmm. yeah cool cool so uh, yeah, what... come on come on out and try it anytime it's 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 a lot of fun it definitely pushes you
1: Oh, I, I bet. Um, what What did you do to kind of get into that? Like, uh, like if you were going to try that for the first time, like, let's say I, I came out there and wanted to try something like that, how would you just start somebody with something like that?
0: Uh, I mean, you could even just start off in a pool, but going yeah. down, I mean, you want to just have some dumbbells in a pool. Um, you know, when it's too rough out in the ocean, we'll do it uh, in the pool as well. So, I mean, you could be shallow as you know five feet um and just kind of holding a dumbbell in each hand and just walking along the bottom of your pool back and forth and and you'll start to your your body wants to breathe it'll send you those signals to breathe right but it's just kind of learning like okay i there's that first signal i want to breathe but i'm i can go a whole lot more so i think that same thing with with obstacle racing and and um you know any sort of OCR like your body's screaming at you to want to stop and so Mm -hmm. it's kind of just learning okay where is my limit can I keep pushing it and you know and then continuing to to move ahead yeah yeah
1: and it, it seems like just like anything knowing you're you know having a buffer zone and not taking it to the extreme you know and Ah, uh, just like when you're working out, you push too hard, and that's when injuries happen. So always, okay. like, you
0: know,
1: like leaving a couple reps in the tank sometimes is is the smart thing to do. And something like this, just not going until you're gonna burst, and and just start slow and and build up. But uh, yeah, that sounds yeah. pretty awesome, yeah. though. Um, so if anybody out there listening is thinking about trying this, just listen, like he said, he's not doing this on his own, and there's somebody watching his back the whole time, and you know, start start slow with something like exactly, that. Yeah um uh Uh, last thing i wanted to to talk i I know you have to run soon um but i kind of want to talk about so you you had a monster year you know winning tahoe is just such a cool experience i can only imagine um and but i'm assuming you're not retiring and you're not hanging it up right now and you know we have another year coming up to to train for so uh, like how I guess mentally or or, or physically, like what what's kind of going through your head now, leading to next year to to plan for hope, you know hopefully another awesome year.
0: Yeah, I definitely uh, I got a little target on my back now. Already, yeah, yeah. Uh, multiple people say they, uh, <laughs> say they're coming after me. So, nice, uh, nice. Yeah, that's definitely motivation.
1: That's mm-hmm. definitely
0: motivation to uh, you know keep, keep the title one more year, um, and, and see where it goes. But as far as training, I mean, that's the good thing about being in Hawaii. Um, we do have year round outdoor, just awesome, um, places to train. So, <clears throat> which is cool. Cause I mean, somebody asked me down in Tahoe after, after the race, like, oh, okay. What gym do you train at? And where are you training? And and it's definitely gyms are um sometimes i think people get too concentrated on the obstacles instead of the running um and just not enough time out on the trails and just getting dirty and getting out there so um that's the benefit of, of why and i think that's what i'm going to continue just getting outdoor in the trails as much as possible mixing it up um, in the heat in the rain so it's muddy and slippery just doing everything to kind of throw myself and give, you know, curve balls so that I'm ready for whatever comes up.
1: Awesome. Nice. And, and I think that, that's kind of what we talked about the last time we interviewed is, is kind of, you know, playing or making sure you're throwing that into your routine of, you know, working out of the gym is great and there's a lot of equipment and stuff you can use to get strong. But if you're not getting outside and you're not training in those elements, it's hard to really get better at some of those things. So you can always have a nice blend and, um, yeah, I don't think anybody's uh, too, um, you're making too many friends with all the weather and the conditions you have out there, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but you have to deal with the hurricanes and all that too. So- uh, Exactly,
0: and a uh, potentially covering those. Yeah, corners, so that's always fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can only imagine, but awesome. Well, I, I know you have to run. Thank you so much. Uh, this is some great stuff. Like I said, congrats on the awesome year. Um, and then uh, best of luck with the years coming out appreciate it yeah all right man we'll talk to you soon
0: yeah i'll uh, definitely i'll definitely see you uh sometime soon hopefully
1: all right yeah hopefully in big bear again all right, well, that's going to do it for episode 56. As always, I hope you got a ton out of this. I wanted to give a big shout out to Coach John O'Blodgett for sharing some of his insights and some of the cool stuff that he's been doing in his training program. Uh, hopefully, you guys got to pick up a couple things there to start to implement. Don't forget to check out the show notes at OCRunderground.com slash episode 56. Uh, for any links mentioned in the show from the uh, off-season training webinar that Ann and myself did to the special promotion with the Handmaster Plus giveaway and our monthly membership program that we're doing uh info on coach John O'Budget and uh everything else that we talked about in the show um that's it for now until next time keep training smarter